Well, welcome back to our study in 1 Peter, and today we're going to jump into 1 Peter chapter 3, and Mark, I guess before we do that, uh, any questions or comments from what we've already studied? Have you heard anything from anybody that they'd like for us to maybe jump on or say anything about? I haven't heard anything in specific. Uh, here we are talking about being submissive. Uh, we've talked about people in general. And then also to the servants, and now we're going to get into some uh, real relationships that we can relate to today, and that's wives and husbands. You know, it is interesting if you just kind of look at the layout of First Peter, uh, as we said, as we were going through the first chapter especially, uh, Peter's just reminding Christians of who they are in Christ, yeah. and we know that persecution's coming, that's his big point, and there's a fire on the way, uh, but here we are into chapter 3, and we still haven't got to that yet. Who you are in Christ, and then this big, long lesson on submission follows. And that's really, to me, interesting that that's where you would begin with somebody when you're telling them, hey, you got some rough times ahead and you need to be ready for it. That's the same way to me. Why would he be telling wives, and why would he be telling husbands, uh, these are the way you're to be acting uh, it, it's, I'm guessing why he's saying that is there, there's going to be some trials coming up and that's going to affect your relationship to yes. your wife, to your relationship to your husband. It's even going to be more difficult. And under those circumstances, as a Christian, this is what I want you to be like. This is what you need to be doing as far as your own soul is concerned. And uh, it's going to be trying times. And so it's going to affect your relationships. And you need to be careful. And we can get it even more pragmatic. It's the idea that all of us at any time, no matter what we're going through in any generation or any issue, these are the principles to keep in mind. Who you are in Christ and our first calling is to be submissive people. Because in this particularly, he begins being submissive with the government, verses 13 to 17. Then being submissive in the workforce or in your role as somebody who is working for someone else, even with a slave-master relationship. And then being submissive like your master Jesus and how you deal with one another. And then the chapter 3, submission in the home. Yes. And so it's, it's really... Kind of powerful. We're wanting him to get to the big issue. Well, Peter goes, this is the big issue. This is the big issue. This, this is the big issue. And that's why I think First Peter is so important to us today. Uh, we don't have the government yet uh, breathing down our necks. But we're in a life situation here that we need to be thinking about mm -hmm what he's saying here in relationship to Christ. He's got him in the middle of this. Right. And here's your here's your role. Here, here is the person you to be mimicking and, and being like. And that's Christ. Look what he did. Uh, he was submissive even to the point of death and a terrible death. Uh, and that's because it was important to us. Right. Well, now us being submissive in the ways we're supposed to be is important to him. And we need to understand that. When it just hit me, a lot of this mirrors what Jesus went through. He knew he had persecution coming. He knew he had an ordeal coming. And he knew that that cup was coming. And he'd even been talking about that for years. My hour has not come yet. He knew that hour was coming. And so leading up to it, what do you see even before he gets there? A submissive attitude. This idea of not reviling when reviled upon and 
and and blessing instead of cursing when he was called Beelzebub of all things just for casting out demons. So it is kind of powerful when you think about it. All right, you ready then? Let's go. All right, chapter three. Here we go. First Peter chapter three. I'll begin reading in verse one. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. <laughs> we, we husbands really need to be <laughs> reading that verse 7. That, <laughs> when, he, when he starts talking about your prayers may not be hindered, we need to be taking the, our relationships very seriously. Did Diana speak to you before you left the house this morning? Now, you are going to hit verse 7 pretty hard, aren't you? You're going to nail some verse 7 there. I better hear some verse 7 today, hadn't I? Yeah. Yeah, well, it is, and that's something that all husbands certainly ought to hearken. The idea that your prayers can be, and in other words, it's simply to me, not the idea that God just won't listen to your prayers. It's the idea God says, I'm, I'm not having a relationship with you. You're done until you fix things with your wife. You're done until you learn how to submit and serve and live with your wife in an understanding way. That's, that's, that's powerful. That's extremely powerful. And think about it for a first-century relationship couple. Yeah, in, in the first century, uh, the wife was in a much less uh, beneficial relationship uh, to the husband than I think that uh, women and men are today in these our marriage relationships. Uh, they, they could be treated very poorly. And we have to understand here, a Christian needs to elevate that relationship with his wife uh, in an understanding way. Yes, she is the weaker Wessel Wessel. I love Wessel. that. Oh, I know a Wessel uh, weaker, and a Vessel. I, I've called Melissa that forever, <laughs> being the weaker Wessel. I'm sorry, Melissa, <laughs> but the weaker Vessel. Uh, and, and that is talking about strength. That's talking right. about the, the woman in comparison to the man as far as size and so on and so forth. That's what he's saying here. This is not about the mind. This is not about a temperament in, in that say. This is this is the woman is the the weaker of the two um, sexes there, and you need to treat her as such. She needs to be treated tenderly and appropriately and caring because uh, she's looking to you, and that's what you need to be doing for your wife. Well, and 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 frankly, you have a daughter. I have a daughter. It, your, your girls just need a little more attention yes. than the guys. They, they need a little more affection. Uh, they need to be heard more. 
they're not like some guys that can just sit around and not say a word all day and be content. Well, well, women like to communicate, so husbands, communicate with your wives. Now, here's what else to me is kind of interesting. Um, when we did the study a few weeks ago about the role of women in our study as, as elders, as we were talking about the role of women in, in hitting on some of these issues in which the Scripture says very clearly women are to be silent in the churches. And, and we believe in that, and, and that's exactly what Paul and, and even Peter is alluding to that there is to be a leadership role given to men in the home, a leadership role given to men in the church. But what was also interesting in the first century with the church, women were given more prestige and honor than they ever had before in any kind of, of a society in which in Christianity, as Paul will say in Galatians 3, 28, that all are one in Jesus, slave, free, Jew, Gentile, male, female. Women were elevated. They were elevated. And you almost get the impression, and here's how one commentator put it, becoming a Christian can pose some serious problems even today, but also some serious problems back then. A woman becomes a Christian and all of a sudden she feels superior to her husband because she knows what the Bible teaches, she knows she belongs to God, and she knows if he's not a believer, he does not. That's why we have the first six verses. Right. We're talking about verse seven yeah. right now, but that's exactly what but that's getting happening. back into exactly. it, that there 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 has to be that understanding, oh, you're equal, but yet at the same time you've got a role to uphold. And and husbands don't forget your role. Well, he's talking to uh, to Christian women uh, in the first six verses, I think he's talking to a Christian husband, obviously, in this passage, and his wife may have been a pagan. Yeah. And uh, whether she's Christian or pagan, in this case, it may have been that she were a pagan, and yet he's saying to him as a Christian, there is still a responsibility to you have that you have to your wife to behave towards her uh, in an appropriate manner mm -hmm. uh, and treat her as she should be treated, not treating her like most men treated women in that day and age. No, that's not the way you're supposed to be treated. Knowing that some you're men not, probably treat yeah, their wives today that's, too. Well, that's honest, true. Yeah. But now you're a Christian. Mm -hmm. You're behaving differently towards your wife then you may see your neighbor treating his wife, who mo both may be pagan. No, you are not supposed to treat her that way. All right. We're going to get back to husbands here in just a moment, but let's go ahead and go back to the beginning of the chapter. You have a very powerful transition that's really not so much a change as it is a carryover. Yes. Uh, and this may be one of those places that we sometimes say in Scripture, uh, the chapter break really is unfortunate. Well, this might actually be the case here, not that I'm going to argue with it, you still understand the meaning, but likewise, it's just building on what we yes. just heard about Jesus, uh, the submissive Lord, uh, our shepherd and overseer of our souls in the way that he was submissive. So likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands so that even if they're not a believer, you can win them through your submission and not by your domineering. Well, that's, that's evangelism one-on-one, isn't it? Yes, that is, we, we know of examples. I mean, there's so many things. That I we, do. I know, yeah. I know some examples yeah. firsthand of women who won their husbands over. 
and, and, and one fellow in particular was pretty ornery. And I was just so amazed at, at, at this lady and her, her, her gentle spirit. But she won him over. Won him over with this kind of attitude. It, it works. And, well, we're going to get back into this idea of submission here in just a minute. But I wanted to... Here's Peter saying there is a marriage relationship here between a Christian and a non-Christian. Mm -hmm. Now, we, we take the position, and I, we've taught... I've taught my children, I'm sure you've taught your children, the best situation is going to be if you're married to a Christian. Find a Christian to be your helpmeet. Find a Christian well, somebody to be the one loves who loves the, the Lord, Lord, who's going to help first. you. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that to some extent that's what's being talked about in 1 Corinthians 6. But here, what we're, he's saying is there, there's still situations where there's a... Christian married to a non-Christian. And what happens in that situation? Well, you don't change how you behave towards that husband. And it's in that attitude that you're showing to him, you may save him. Yes. You may save him just by your conduct, just by being the woman that the Lord would want you to be. Well, and just because you may have knowledge, you may have faith, you may have an understanding that he doesn't have, that doesn't make you uh, all of a sudden more powerful and in control of the relationship. Uh, you, you show submission and win them over with a gentle conduct. Isn't that the way Jesus evangelizes and reaches out to exactly. all of us? Exactly. I mean, you, know? you find yourself in this situation and he may be very upset with you in the beginning. What, you're leaving me Sunday? You're leaving me for this? You're going to go be doing that? Uh, I, you're going to hear this from the disobedient. Yet if you say, yes, I am, this is what I need to be doing, but yet you're still honoring him, right. uh, he's going to take note of that over time. Uh, and, and he's saying, or Peter's saying here, you may win him just out of your behavior, your attitude towards the Lord and towards Him. Well, and I've seen that as well, too. When somebody is, is married to a non-Christian, what can I do? The advice I've always given is, you just be the very, very best child of God you can be. Exactly. Never miss an assembly. No. Never miss an opportunity to serve. But at the same time, love your husband. Care for him. Do not nag him. But just show him this gentle spirit It'll win them over, and I've seen it work. You, it, it, it works. You have to continue being that Christian. If you give in to him, if you start giving in, well, I won't go this Sunday. I won't do this. I okay. I will not do that. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. Yeah. If if there's ever a person who really needs to toe the line, it's a believing mate with a non-believing mate. You just. You have to. You have to show him in a kind and benevolent way that who's first in your life? It's the Lord. It's the Lord. And then in verses 3 through 6, Peter's going to challenge what the culture calls beautiful. Yes. And I, I want to just begin with the end thought in mind. What we're looking for here and what Peter wants all of us to look for, women to look for and men to look for in women, is that you look for a woman who is precious in the eyes 
of God. Very, what God would say, now that's beautiful. What God would say, now that's lovely. What God would say, now that's, a, that's, that's someone you want to be. And, and here's what Peter says. It's the woman who is not consumed with the outward appearance, but is really focused on the inner person, the gentle and quiet spirit within their heart. That's powerful. It, it, it gets the character uh, it, it gets to the idea of a heart that is modest, chaste, pure, lovely to the Lord. It's, it's, the, it's the servant Martha. It's the devotion of Mary. It's the deaconess of Phoebe. You know, it's the courage of a Deborah. It's, it's, it's all those things together. That's what the Lord is looking for. But it's not what the world calls beauty. This no. isn't your Instagram girl. No, Would that this, be fair to say? This is not the one who's saying, what do I look like outwardly? More importantly than what am I inwardly? That is not to say that women are not to be taking care of themselves and look the best they can. Uh, more power to them. I think we all love women who are trying uh, to look nice and be nice, but it's you can be around somebody for a very short period of time and begin to see what their character, what that inward person is like. And I even say this a little further in this, how would he write us today about modesty? It would be just the opposite of what he's writing to these people but as far as not the dress. A, not the dress. Yeah, I'm not just saying, yeah, I'm yeah. just saying, as far as the dress, he, yeah. he wouldn't have to be worried about Overdressing and, put, and putting on dresses, he'd be saying, women be putting something on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so he's taught modesty is being talked about here. Right. And we may we say hear people today say, well, he hadn't drawn a line in scripture. There's no line there in scripture. We don't have to worry about how low or how high it is. Uh, well, that wasn't the culture in this period of time. The culture in this period of time was overdressing, and he had to address that. Today, we need to take from this passage modesty. What is modesty today? And he's saying you need to be a modest woman. Uh, dress that way accordingly. And you're going to reflect that then in the inner person that you are. An inner person is going to be saying... I'm not showing myself to the world. I'm not supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be that kind of a woman. And that's going to then let us see what is their inner quality, that gentle and quiet spirit. I love that term, quiet there. What, what would be a quiet spirit in a woman? I mean, she is... She is She's not trying to draw attention to no. herself. It's not about her looks. You know, it's it's about well. You kind of look at the the worthy woman in Proverbs thirty one. It's exactly she's, what you need to be looking she's, at. She's taking care of her family. She's taking care of the poor. She's working with her hands. You know, what's very interesting to me in Scripture is often these women that like Proverbs thirty one that are described as being beautiful, radiant, yes. gorgeous. We're not given a physical description of them because that's not what makes them pretty in the eyes of God. It's who they are on the inside. And I think your point is, is very powerful. It's, it's not about braiding of hair, and I don't think he's condemning gold jewelry no. here or braiding no. hair. That's not his point. But his point is, 
are you trying to draw everybody to yourself because of your character? Exactly. Or, or just by your looks look. in, in a worldly fashion and, and he, watch out. And he is in no way, shape, or form here saying that you cannot dress nicely and look good. It's, it's not saying that at all. It's, it's talking about who is the person here? Who are you? What are you reflecting? What are you showing people as to the kind of person you are? And to me, this works two ways. It's a challenge for the women, I believe. But I think it's also a challenge to all men who claim to be godly. What do you see as beautiful in a woman? Exactly. Yeah, there wouldn't be Instagram girl if there wasn't a huge appetite of Instagram guys longing for those kind of images and that kind of beauty. And, and especially for men who claim to be men of God, you know, what are you looking for in a woman? Uh, the next verse says, the holy women, remember all the holy women? Remember all those holy women? They adorned themselves, all these women in Scripture, by being submissive. Is that pretty to you? Is that what you want to be? Is that what you're looking for? And the idea of submitting to their husbands? Now, Sarah calling Abraham Lord. <laughs> See if you get away with that. <laughs> So, Diana, yeah. you'll refer to me as Lord Mark. Yeah. Uh, how's that working Can you for you? No, no. no. Uh, we don't go to that verse about calling him Lord. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll tell you what. If you've, if you've been a part of this family in Christ, I, I can't help think, and I bet you others are already thinking of a sermon done by Mark Mosley where he sounded like Lord Vader yeah. and was breathing like Darth Vader into the microphone one day. And his point was, <laughs> when we think of Lord, we think Lord Vader. Yeah. But what have you thought of Lord Jesus? You have no issues with calling him Lord. No. Right, you no. know his heart. No. Well, I think that's the point here. That's right. That's the point here. Uh, Sarah honored Abraham because of his shepherd, gentle heart. She was willing to submit to him. And, she, and he uses Sarah so appropriately here. Uh, it, Peter is just a smile on his face because Abraham's the father of faith. Sure. Uh, and lo and behold, his wife then is Sarah. And guess what? If you, you can become her children, yeah. if you do what is right, Without yeah. being frightened by anything. Yeah, he's fear. definitely making your yeah. point. Yeah, you can be one of yeah. hers. You're yeah. one of them. Yeah, that's right. You're in the family. That's right. You're yeah. in the family. It, it, it was a perfect uh, statement here by him to get the woman's attention. But I, I want to still get back to this idea of how you look. You have women saying today, you know, mm. I can dress the way I want to. I have that freedom. I can't. I don't, I'm not concerned about what the man is thinking. That's his problem. Right. You're not seeing that in this passage. I think we have to be very careful. This is a two-way street. It is how you look. It is how you dress. Yes, the man needs to be having his mind uh, cleared and clean. But the woman can affect that. Right. And I think we need to be careful in what we wear, how we wear it, that's well, what is being said but, here. And, and then ultimately, it, it, it's not about what is being seen through the eyes of man, but the eyes of God. Exactly. What's he thinking? God? What's God thinking? Do you want to dress like that in front of the Lord? Is that what you want to call beautiful in front of Is that how would you show up to the Lord's table? You wouldn't. You wouldn't in a second. 
And, and, and ultimately, it's, it's what's precious in God's sight. That's what should allure us. Uh, and that goes for men and women, that we long for what is precious and in the eyes of God. This is quite a lesson for us. What do we consider beautiful? Men. Uh, what are you looking for in a wife? Men. Um, he, he's saying here, then if we get back into verse 7 again, you husbands, uh, you're supposed to be treating your wife in a certain way. He's not talking about how she looks and whatever along that line. This is just saying she is your wife. She, you have chosen her to be your helpmate. How do you treat her? Well, don't treat her with unfair expectations would be one thing. Yes. Uh, would certainly be part of it. And, and to show honor to her. If you've got a godly woman, you've got a good thing. Oh. And you need to praise God and rise up and call her blessed. Yes. Uh, because God's blessed you with the greatest gift He can give you outside of His Son. Proverbs 31 is such a wonderful chapter in Proverbs of telling us, of a wonderful woman and all of us who have that wonderful woman we should be extremely thankful to the Lord and then we treat them accordingly how the Lord would want us to treat them. A couple of words to define here that I had in my notes is the idea of a meek and gentle spirit. Meek would require the idea of humility uh, to be as quiet, peaceful, or tranquil uh, it's not about her. She's in it for her family, uh, and and that's the spirit that she longs for. Uh, also, I would think that you see here is words of affirmation uh, that she's willing to share not only with Abraham, but but you see that the idea that she is willing to show her honor to her husband. And I think I think there's a lot to be said for communication within a relationship oh, yes. as well. Uh, Paul says this in, in Ephesians 5, verse 33, uh, you know, husbands, you, you are to love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Love requires adoration, care, nurturing. Uh, re respect requires admiration, appreci appreciation, thankfulness, you know. And so that's what we long for as men, to be appreciated, and women long to be loved. Give each other the love language they need. And, and then if we can just maybe close it up with this, there's still the warning to husbands. Husbands, listen up. Don't be the one whom the Lord hinders your prayers. I think that in an understanding way, in verse 7 for the men, it's just that. Mm -hmm. You know your wife. You, knew, you know what pleases her. You know what makes her happy. It may be different for different wives as far as men are concerned. Well, you know what your wife wants. You know what your wife likes. You know what your wife needs. Then you treat her that way. It may be different mm -hmm. than how you treat Shell. She may have a different well, and understanding. It, and it may and so change. we need to understand that. And it may change as your relationship goes. Exactly. Uh, you know, I remember with Cheryl and I have done the five love languages, and she had this certain love language. Well, it's changed now. Yeah. Uh, and I said, well, which one is it now? She goes, it could be any of the five. That's you right. said you'd be ready you'd be, for it. <laughs> But that's the understanding way. Right. Yeah. We have to know who our wives are. Yeah. And so you really see dual submission here. Exactly. But ultimately, ultimately getting to the point of what uh, Peter's saying, and, and Paul says the same thing, you know, the wife honors and submits to her husband. Yes. That's the will of the Lord. And, and husbands should make that submission as easy as possible. As it can be.
right. Well, you got anything else then? Through verse 7? No, we'll probably get a whole bunch of emails over. <laughs> <that. laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but, you know, we're speaking from the heart here. What, so. what, is, what is your email address? <laughs> TM Lloyd uh, at uh, Yahoo? What is it? We'll make sure we'll put that on the postscript here so everybody sees it. Email mark. Well, it's a good study, and it's one that we certainly need to keep in mind. We still haven't got to the testing yet, but this takes We're us to the We're starting in verse 8. That's coming up. Yeah, it's coming. That's coming up. So Peter set us up. Well, you got anything you want to add? No, to this? that's just... All right. Just looking forward to next Sunday again right. as we worship together. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And again, if you have any questions or comments, please share them with us. We would love to hear from you. And until we meet again, God bless you and your family. Good night, brethren.